The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hey, Cam. Yes, Alex. I know you're in a pretty rural area out there in North Carolina. Do you do you happen to have any family who owns livestock? Uh, yeah. I mean, I've got a couple of family members that own chickens, and uh, actually, one of my mom's cousins used to own quite a bit of cattle, but he has since gotten out of that uh, out of that industry. But yeah, I mean, grew up around it. Nice. That's cool. Well, I've yeah. actually I've got a cousin. Who uh, he he raised he raised pigs and deer. Uh, he had he had like fifty of each, um, and and I I really had no clue what they were worth until he told me that he's got a hundred thousand bucks. I'm about to make like a deer and run on out of this podcast. Chopper out to Dansby. Dansby throws to first base. Is this happening? It is. The Atlanta Braves are world champions! Welcome to the Chatting Average Podcast. Now you're all in big, big trouble. Let me talk to you. Welcome to your friendly neighborhood Atlanta Braves podcast. Welcome to Chatting Average. I'm your host, Alex, joined as always by Mr. Cam Matthews. Cam, how you doing today? What? Shaking bacon. Is this the whisper song? Well, it might be because my entire house is asleep right now. Hey, little mama, let me whisper with you. <laughs> <laughs> That's still one of my favorite moments on this show ever. <laughs> if, if you have no idea what we're talking about, what year was that? 2020? That was that was season was, one. Yeah, that was 2020. The first ever Halloween episode. That was uh what? that was that was mid-COVID shenanigans. One of my favorite bits ever. <laughs> so go back and listen to that if you're wanting to know what we're talking about. <laughs> well, Cam, how's it going this week? Going well, going well. Uh, You know, summer is quickly coming upon us. Uh, My daughter finished her last day of preschool today, and so that was fun and exciting. And, you know, hats off to her. Yeah, very cool. Tell her I said congratulations. I'll be sure to do that. For for those of you who might not be aware, uh, Cam's daughter, Abby, uh, is my best friend. This is true. And I hers. This this is true. Um, from the moment that Alex walked into our house, um, she immediately took her took Alex to go play uh, with her things, and that was just a sign of true friendship. Her 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 picture is still on my fridge, for the record. And let me tell you, that was that was made her day when I showed her <laughs> that that you had stuck her drawing on the fridge. <laughs> She's the best. 
tremendous, tremendous content. Hey, Alex, I got a question for you. Yeah, what's up? So, uh, you know, you you oversee you oversee uh, a, a retail store, right? Correct. Correct. Yes. You, you you oversee it. You have a group of employees that work underneath you, right? Correct. Yes. Have you ever now? Do you handle the actual like hiring of said employees or the interview process or anything like that? Uh, yes, I do first interviews. Okay. All right. Have you ever have you ever interviewed somebody that uh you know initially seem like a great hire great employee and then like not long after they get hired they just turn out to not be so great or not at least what you thought they were going to end up being oh absolutely okay well anyway our first story this week the chicago cubs have dfa'd eric hosmer (laughs) okay so if if we're going to use the business world analogy for hosmer here here's what we got to go with it's worse than just I hired the guy and he's sticking around too long. It's I hired the guy, realized how bad he was, fired him. And now like three other companies have hired him, even though I'm telling him that he's worthless. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the, the, the drop Does that make with any Osmer. sense? It has been such a long day. It, oh, it made perfect sense. Uh, the drop-off with Hosmer was a near-historic one. Unbelievable. Like, when when he was with the Royals, it was it was him and Freddie Freeman. They were the best first baseman in the league. Right, right. Let's see. Uh, yeah. Okay, Let, let's, let's, let's play a trivia game with Eric Hosmer. Okay. Hosmer right. trivia. Right. Let's go. Hosmer trivia. All right, so Eric Hosmer is... 33 years old he debuted in 2011 what would you say his what would you say his lifetime batting average is i'm gonna go i'm gonna go 242 no it is actually 276 no kidding yeah yeah all right wow okay eric hosmer over 1500 hits or under 1500 hits uh, i'm going to i'm going to say over at this point yeah all right 1753 all right over 200 homers or under 200 homers he's got to be over just just from the few years where he was really hitting the ball well nope 198 oh really yes how many <laughs> so wait so wait so if if i'm reading this right that means hosmer is going to go and become the next mr 3000 and just go begging for jobs so he can get two more home runs there you go yeah exactly all right how many all-star appearances does eric hosmer have maybe two just one okay yeah He's an interesting case, right? Well, like I mean it was it was like he was really solid the first what, 5 or 6 years of of his career. His, uh, his All-Star season was in 2016. Okay. A year after the the season after he won the World Series. But it's, yeah, cuz the Royals were good for a stretch there. Yeah, they had a solid, like, what, three, four-year? Something like that, run. yeah. Yeah. 
so I, I was listening to to baseball is dead uh, earlier in the afternoon, and, and they they also talked about Eric Hosmer. And one of the fun facts that got thrown out onto the show is that for Eric Hosmer apparently to amass the same amount of war as who was it? What's the guy's name that's in the Hall of Fame that everybody says shouldn't be? Harold Baines. Harold Baines, yes. For Eric Hosmer to amass the same amount of war as Harold Baines, given the current projection he he's on for his career, he would have to play through his age 72 season. <laughs> so, so, Cam, what you're saying is Eric Hosmer might not get your Hall of Fame vote? Uh, no, he, he will not. <laughs> what a it, shame. It is... It, it, it's really bizarre. Like like you said, like he's a guy that, I don't know, I, you almost kind of want to equate him to a bottle rocket. Like he took off super, super fast and then exploded in 2016 and then was basically gone. He, he was good for just long enough to get one massive contract, which he, which he successfully did with the Padres um, and delivered none of it. I feel like even at the time, and like hindsight being 2020, I feel like even at the time when San Diego gave him that contract, everybody was kind of like, eh? Well, I mean, it seemed like a good position to shore up, and he seemed like a really safe bet um, at the time the contract was signed. But I think even then it seemed like a bit of an overpay. Right. Uh, the San Diego Padres are still paying Hosmer roughly $13 million per season through the 2025 campaign. Ooh. Ooh, good, yeah. good, good, good thing their Cowboy owners got deep pockets. Deep pockets. Hey, you know who else has deep pockets? Who's that? The Braves, now that we've got that quick creep patch sponsor. Ooh, buddy, that was... That was the story of the week for Braves fans, wasn't it? I mean, I guess for those who can't control their emotions, sure. <laughs> oh, man. The the Braves yep. have their new official jersey sponsor, and it is Quick Creep. What's, the, what's their tagline, Cam? Set it and forget it? I don't know. What what is their tagline? Because I've heard the commercial a thousand times. I was for some reason I was just like running through my mind all of the slogans I've heard on Braves Radio, and I first went with one call, that's all, and I'm like, no, that's, that's a, <laughs> that is attorney Ken Nugent. Um uh, the Braves hottest he, new he, prospect. Um uh, have, we, have we ever talked about the fact that Ken Nugent sounds like he's gargling molasses? <laughs> Uh, Renewal, he's he's always like Renewal the third is auto accident. <laughs> oh goodness gracious! It is late. It really I, is. I, here's I, here's I, a I, random thought. Um, apropos of absolutely nothing. Uh, if I have to hear the rooms to go radio jingle one more time, uh, I might jump off a roof. Oh, is it, is it the one they've been using for, like, the decorating's easy at Rooms to Go? Oh, no. They went and, like, produced a whole 90s pop hit. 
Oh, I have not heard this. Um, it's it's the rooms to go patio commercial. Look it up and live in this hell that I find myself in with me, Cam. <laughs> Every day we stray further from God. <laughs> That's my random complaint of the week. But no, I just I don't care about the patch. I don't, and, and honestly, I. This is going to sound contrarian, but I'm I'm really being serious here. The more I've seen it, the it it kind of grows on me. Like yeah. we, we've seen Ronald and and others wearing that kind of shade of yellow uh, alongside their Braves uniforms for years now. So so it it fits really well. Um, it looks like from a distance, look just looks like a daggum bar of gold on the shoulder. Right, like it looks like you could say, you know, X years in Atlanta or something like that at and, this point. And yeah. from, from where I was sitting at the game this past Sunday, I, one, I couldn't read the word quickcrete for sure. Uh, and and two, like most of the players, it was on their opposite arm. Hello. Hello. Well, for those of you still listening, Cam has dropped from this call, and we are uh, <laughs> we are hoping that he'll come back sometime soon. Cam, are you back? Yeah. You ever uh, you ever think you plugged your phone in, but you didn't? Ah. Well, this show's gone to hell. Cam, what do you say we get into this week in baseball history? <laughs> Let's do it. All right. We are going to jump into this week in baseball history. As always, you can find these facts at nationalpastime.com. And the week we're going to be looking at is May 22nd through the 28th. Our first fact comes to us from May 22nd, 1933. Yankee third baseman Joe Sewell is struck out for the first time this season, a victim of Cleveland's Wes Farrell. The 34-year-old infielder playing in his final season will strike out only three more times in 524 at-bats. Wow. That's highly impressive. At, <laughs> yeah. At, he struck out four times out of 524 at-bats. What was his batting average? Well, see, now you're going to make me do extra work. <laughs> well, you started quoting numbers like you had it. Yeah, from the screenshot I took on nationalpastime.com. Fine. Hang on. Joe Sewell. It's late, and I'm cranky. Jeez Louise. <laughs> what year did I say this was, 1933? Just call Jeff. Oh, yeah. Hey, Jeff, do you remember watching? <laughs> He'd be so angry. He hit 273 that year. That's shockingly low for only having struck out four times. Yeah. Very odd. Very odd. He had two home runs that year. Oh, real, real slap hitter. Okay, here, here's what's crazy. All right, let, let's... he. 
he debuted in 1920. All right. All right. The most, the most strikeouts he had in a single season was in 1922, where he struck out 20 times in one year. He only had, from 1920 to 1933, he only had four seasons with double-digit strikeouts. The rest were all single digits. So how the hell could he not figure out how to put the ball in play more? <laughs> I don't well, he, was it, he, was, he, he was putting it in play just right at people. I guess, yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right. He just bunted Our, every time. They'll never see it coming. <laughs> All right. Our next fact comes to us from March 24, 1935. The era of nighttime baseball begins as 25,000 fans watch the Reds beat the Phillies 2-1 to one in the first major league game ever played under the lights. At the White House, President Franklin D. Roosevelt pushed a gold telegraph key during the Crosley Field pregame ceremonies, sending an electric signal to a table near first base where, Mc, where McPhail flips the switch to illuminate the stadium. Very cool. Yeah, yeah, very, very neat. 1935 still feels very early for the first uh, nighttime game. It does. I have to. I have to imagine it was. It was fairly dimly lit. And also, a quick note from this fact from uh, nationalpastime.com. There is apparently a book on Amazon you can order called "Let There Be Light: A History of Night Baseball, 1880 to 2008." Interesting. Yeah. So that might be a book to add to the list. Are you a book guy, Cam? I am a book guy. Um, I am a book collector. I am not a book finisher. I see. I see. I I, like, I haven't haven't read a book in a long time though. But I used to be like obsessive about reading books. Um, and I, I just I, I just got one for the the vacation I'm going on that I'm pretty excited about. Oh, do tell. It's it's called World Travel by Anthony Bourdain. Oh, that's and, awesome. And I was absolutely obsessed with Anthony Bourdain's Kitchen Confidential. Um, in fact, I made it required reading for a good portion of my staff when I was working in restaurants. Nice, nice. Very cool. Yeah, I have I have told myself this year that I am not going to allow myself to buy another book until I finish the two or three books that I'm like partially done with. What books are they? Uh, where the crawdads sing, just because I jumped on that bandwagon super late, and I figure I need to finish reading it. Um, I still got Chipper Jones biography that I've got like a third left, and then what was what's the name of the book? What's the name of the other book I got? I found a book in an antique shop not too long ago. It was written in like nineteen forty something. It's called like Legends of Their Time, and it's a legend. It's like little short biographies on baseball players from like 1900 to 1925. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. I want to, I want to finish reading those before I read any more. And I've actually got, got like, I think three or four books currently in my Amazon cart that I'm just like waiting to get. So maybe someday, but you know, kids and free time. Whatnot. <laughs> it, it's hard to come by these days. It is. Sorry, I was um, caught off guard. I found a clip of uh, of Ronald just uh, just casually stealing third after taking second on a 
on a walk. Yeah, it's truly a shame he doesn't hustle more. All right, our next fact <laughs> comes to us from May 26, 1993. And I'm pretty sure we've talked about this before in one of these segments, but it's too good not to bring up again. Carlos Martinez hits a fly ball to Jose Canseco that caroms off the Ranger outfielder's head over the fence for a home run. Ah, uh, yes. Inning. The fourth inning solo homer proves to be the difference when the Indians edge Texas at Cleveland Stadium 7-6. to six. The the lasting image from, from the storied career of Jose Canseco. It is wild that that is like his legacy, right? Like that and steroids. That and Showtime Car Wash. <laughs> well never never mind the fact that you know he was at one point part of the most electric duo of home run hitters that we've maybe ever seen yeah I, I think that's fair to say you know but like haha needle go in butt ball go off head like that's pretty much <laughs> that's pretty much Kenseiko's legacy at this I, point. I mean he just looks and sounds like the poster boy for steroids he's he's just perfect he's also an idiot exactly like let, like, let, like let, let's just be frank here this is not a smart individual no he's he he <laughs> jose big hit ball yeah <laughs> all right our next fact comes to us from may 28 1998 uh, and the only reason I'm bringing this up because we brought it up, I think, on last week or week before last episode. And so I give you some specifics on that now. In the bottom of the ninth, with the bases loaded and his team ahead by two runs, Diamondbacks manager Buck Showalter orders that Barry Bonds be intentionally walked with the bases loaded by reliever Greg Olson. <laughs> the free pass works when the next batter, Brett Main, lines out to deep center field, giving Arizona an 8-7 to victory at Candlestick Park. I'm I'm good with remembering that moment anytime we have the opportunity. Okay, first off, like, it, you know, we, we talked about like, oh man, if this goes wrong, how bad does it? But seriously though, this this is the kind of move that like now that we have a name to it and we remember who the guy batting behind Bonds was, is that is this is this like the biggest middle finger in baseball history to a guy? Um. No, that we no. I, I honestly don't think it is because that that we're going to intentionally cut our lead in half because we know we can just get you out instead. No, no, I I don't look at it from that direction at all. I look at it as this guy's so good that if we pitch to him, we're going to lose. So right let's take our chances pitching to a guy who maybe will get out. You know, that meme of like, so-and-so has the chance to do the funniest thing ever. I don't, which is shameful. Okay. Well, it's really popular with the youths nowadays. Oh, the and kids, the kids. And yeah. Their, yeah. And, and their memes. Yeah. Uh, Tyler and all them. Um, <laughs> Brett Maine had the opportunity to do the funniest thing ever. Like, what was that? If he had just, well, if he just managed to get like a base hit to just completely, you know, which obviously you pitched the bonds, it probably was inevitable that the same result would have happened, but he would have just blown up 
uh, Buck Showalter's like galaxy brain idea. <laughs> that was Buck. Ah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then uh, Buck was later fired and not part of that 2001 World Series team. All right. Our final fact also comes to us from May 28th, this time in 2003. When Rafael Furcal, Mark DeRosa, and Gary Sheffield all go deep off of red starter Jeff Austin in the bottom of the first inning, the Braves become the on- become only the second team in big league history to begin a game with three consecutive home runs. In San Diego's home opener in 1987, the Padres wasted no time, making up a two-run first inning deficit when Marvel Wynn, Tony Gwynn, and John Crook all went yard, leading off in the bottom of the first inning off giant starter Roger Mason. John Crook was a Padre? How about that? Huh. <laughs> I think I think that was the most astounding part of this I, that's, to me too. That's the one thing that stuck out to me is I never I knew like, he was oh. a Padre. I, I always picture him in Philly's gear. But yeah, those are some uh, some Braves names for you for Carl DeRosa and Sheffield. Oh, the good old days of DeRosa. DeRosa. 2003, still one of the most potent offenses that Atlanta that... has ever seen. <laughs> and and I still look at it on paper and think it shouldn't be as good as it was. Yeah, that thing was stupid. <laughs> good lord. I mean, like that team was absolutely dumb. I did love me some Rafi off for call, though. I mean, who didn't love Rafi? Or uh, or Ferkel, as I called him in my youth. <laughs> oh, Ferkel. Ferkel, that's it. <laughs> well, that has been this week in baseball history. Do with that useless knowledge what you would. All right, guys, we'll be right back to take a look at the last few games for the Braves and see what lies ahead. All right, so when we last left you, we were in the midst of a series with the Texas Rangers. Braves won the first game of that series and came back looking for more with Jared Schuster on the mound going up against Dane Dunning for the Rangers. Uh, Schuster had one of his rougher outings, uh, went five innings, walked two, allowed three earned runs, and only struck out three. Uh, Meanwhile, Dane Dunning went six innings, allowing six hits, one earned run, no walks, and struck out four. Uh, And and it was one of those that just, it felt stifling because the Braves offense could not touch Dane Dunning. Uh, Got a run off of him uh, in the second inning when Arcia scored Albies, and that was really it while he was still in the game. Uh, Braves tacked on a couple of homers in the eighth, eighth inning off of the bullpen, but it was not enough as the Rangers win 7-4 to four to even that series with the Braves. So we've got the rubber match. It was a, it was a getaway day late game, which is uh, unusual for us. We had, uh, we had Nate Evaldi on the hill for the Rangers going up against Spencer Strider for the Braves. Uh, Got to feel good anytime Spencer Strider's on the mound, though this day was not his best. He went five innings, allowing six hits, four earned runs, walked three batters, but struck out seven. And Evaldi went seven innings, allowing five hits, three earned runs, walked two, struck out five. High scoring game, a lot of action, but it came down to the ninth inning when Orlando Arcia breaks up a tie and puts the Braves in the lead for good. Braves win six to five, take the series against the first place Rangers. Well, you know, at least... At least you got to end a lackluster road trip on a positive note, right? 
Exactly. Exactly. I mean, because that, you're, you're very, you're very close to going one and five. Oh, very close. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, they, they did a fantastic job of, of just kind of brushing off the, the terrible series they had in Toronto uh, to come back and win a series against a tough team in their house. Uh, and, and you kind of needed to, before you come home to play the Mariners, because they are no, uh, no slouch of a team to have to deal with. No, absolutely not. And yeah, I mean, Texas is a very good team this year. I think they still uh, are at the top of like average runs per game. This is an offense that puts numbers on the board and, Hey, we did enough to take two out of three, so you got to feel good about that. Love it. Felt great about it. So came home and hosted the Seattle Mariners for three this past weekend. First game of the series was the Battle of the Bryces, as Bryce Miller uh, takes the hill for the Mariners up against Bryce Elder for the Braves. And it was a pitching duel with both uh, both pitchers getting through six, Miller getting into the seventh. Uh, It was a low-scoring game until late, but in the seventh and eighth innings, the Braves tacked on several runs. uh, Matt Olson hit a home run to right center, uh, putting the Braves up four to two. Ozuna singled to left, scoring two in the eighth, putting them up six to two, which would be your final. Braves take the first game of the series in front of a sellout crowd. Offense broke out at the right time. I mean, a little later in the game than we're used to seeing it, but you know, getting production from the lower half of the lineup and being able to come up with some clutch base hits felt refreshing after the last week and a half. It really did. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So we get to the second game of the series and we've got Logan Gilbert going for the Mariners and a bullpen game for the Braves. We're still trying to figure out what we're going to do with this spot in the rotation. Uh, But for this I figured out something. Jesse Chavez is what you figured out. Well, I've also figured out that we shouldn't do bullpen games anymore. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Well, you know, I don't mind bullpen games. I really don't because we've got enough good bullpen pieces to pull those kind of things off. Um, But Michael Tonkin comes in after Chavez and he's he's supposed to be the one true like long guy that we've got out of the bullpen. Um, and all he's able to do is put up two innings when you, I, I think you were really hoping to get at least part of a third inning out of him. Uh, and he ends up giving up six hits and two earned runs. Michael Tonkin and Kirby Yates had rough outings, but everybody else pitched well. Unfortunately, those rough outings were more than enough for the Mariners to take this win. Mariners win seven to three. So we come back for the Sunday matinee game. Mariners uh, at the Braves with George Kirby on the mound going up against Jared Schuster for the Braves. This looked like... I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, go ahead. I'm, I'm just going to be honest with you. I uh, I do not like game three rubber games. I don't either. I don't either. But, you know, this 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 Braves team seems to be faring fairly well in them. Uh, so you had Jared Schuster who put up his best outing as a professional ball player, I believe six innings, allowing only one hit. That one hit was a homer, unfortunately, an earned run, uh, one walk and struck out seven, but a really encouraging sign from a guy who, who it would be really helpful to have locked down a a rotation spot. 
his command was certainly a lot better than we've seen him in previous starts. And that was his, that was his biggest issue, you know, in a couple of starts that he struggled, you know, getting your command down as a young pitcher is so vital because at, at times where not everybody is Spencer Strider when they come up, right? right? Not everybody has electric in, in, stuff. In fact, most aren't. Right. I would argue that most guys are Bryce Elder. And what I mean by that is that Hold you don't up. have – No, 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 no. No, 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 no. no. Hear, hear, me, hear me out. Like, Bryce Elder has a good mix of pitches. None of them are, like, top tier, but he is able to throw them well enough that it works, and he has good enough command – that he doesn't get himself in trouble. I, I, don't, I don't know. I think it's getting to the point where we have to, we have to elevate Bryce Elder in our minds to something more than like every man status. This guy. And, and I can't point to anything except he's just got it. He's got that dog. Like he is, he just goes out there and knows how to battle. Like nothing jumps off the page at you about him, but he is an unbelievable pitcher and and just a, a real gamer out there. Oh yeah, no, I mean I I, I won't argue that. Argue with me. I'm, I'm cranky, too tired. And I'm and I'm too tired to argue. <laughs> All right, Travis Darno did uh, did contribute a home run that put the Braves on top for good in this game. The Braves win three to two and take the series against the Mariners. Travis's uh, first home run of the season. I was I re- I was sitting in the stadium next to my wife, turned to her and said, "There's no way Travis Darno doesn't have a home run yet this year." And I think it was two or three innings later. It's like, all right, well, there we go. Yeah. Well, he was also out for like a month. And that's true. He did miss a, a pretty significant amount of time. So as we speak, the Braves are uh, are embroiled in battle with the Los Angeles Dodgers here in Atlanta at Truist Park. Uh, Charlie Morton got the start going up against Gavin Stone for the Dodgers. Uh, tomorrow will be a TBS game where we've got Spencer Strider going up against Bobby Miller for the Dodgers. And on Wednesday, we'll have Bryce Elder against Tony Gonsolin. Get ready, because Thursday, we are back into division play. We have got a four-game set against the Phillies coming up. Aaron Nola's got the first start for the Phillies. We don't know who's going to fill that spot for the Braves yet. However, we've got Schuster, Morton, and Strider in the uh, in games three, two, three, and four of that series. They've got an, uh, the Phillies have an open slot in the second game, and Wheeler and Walker going in games three and four. So, be interesting to see who fills those open slots for both the Braves and the Phillies. I'm going to say it every week until it happens. Could that be the spot where Mike Soroka shows up? God, I hope so. We need help. It does feel insanely wild that this is the first time we're playing the Phillies this season, and it's almost June. Yeah, like we we were done playing the Padres six weeks ago, and we haven't even seen the Phillies yet. Right. We we just played what three AL teams in a row before before this current series. 
and we still haven't seen the Phillies? Five in a row, actually. Was it five in a row? Baltimore, Boston, Toronto, Texas, Seattle. Good Lord. I forgot about Boston. I guess I tried to forget about Toronto. Yeah, th- this was our competitive balance month. Thanks, so- I hated it. <laughs> so, yeah, aside from that Toronto series, it actually went fairly well. But, uh, but yeah, getting back into NL play here coming up, we've got uh, a... At- you're listening to the show, so you know we're releasing this episode on Tuesday. Saturday, I'm leaving on vacation, but we are going to record another episode for you before I leave. So uh, so you won't be without us for too long. But until then, for Mr. Cam Matthews, I'm Alex. We'll see you all next week for another brand new episode of the Chatting Average Podcast right here on the Fans First Sports Network. Bye. This has been the Chatting Average Podcast. Be sure to check out our merchandise store at teespring.com slash stores slash Chatting Average Podcast. And please consider becoming a patron of our show at patreon.com slash Chatting Average. We'll see you next week for another brand new episode. <laughs>